Live at 5, Sports at Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. And, uh, well, Jim, the uh, Twins beaten last night by Eduardo Rodriguez and the Tigers. And, you know, he's really a good left-handed pitcher. Turned down the trade to the Dodgers and kind of took some heat in the media for it. But then his agent put out a statement explaining, look, it's more than just a playing life. He has a family life. He doesn't want to leave his family even for a short time. After that, seeing that, reading that, I understood it. I mean, Major League players, people look at them kind of like robots, that they don't have families at home. They do. And I think our reaction to it is probably different than it used to be, you know, if we want to generalize. Uh, you know, I think that you know, I, I broke in with a lot of lifelong baseball reporters who thought that baseball was all that mattered. Many of them uh, had wives who told them, hey, it's either baseball or me, and they chose baseball. Uh, you know, it, was, it used to be kind of a cult, you know, and and the game was all that mattered. And the game was all, yeah, and, you know, the old saying around baseball clubhouses was first run out of the clubhouse, you know, early out of the clubhouse, early out of the game. In other words, if you weren't going to sit there and drink beer with the boys and talk about the game till one in the morning, you weren't going to last long. It was a, mm. it was a pretty medieval view of the game, and I think it hurt the game in a lot of ways. Mm. Uh, it kept the game from evolving. And now I think we, you know, this is a guy who has taken a mental health break yep, yep. Uh, in recent history. Uh, someone who, you know, obviously, and, and here's, here's the other thing. I mean, we're getting the mental health, we're getting the individual preferences, uh, people's right to choose where they want to work and live and, you know, the right fa- life for their family and all that. We also have to be honest about this. Players are trained from a young age to talk about winning. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they want to win. Of course, they prefer to win. For a lot of these guys, it's a job, and they want to make a lot of money, and they want to have their fam- themselves and their family set up for life. And if they want on top of that, great. But really, it's it's their job, mm-hmm. and they view it as a job. And you know, if one of us were told, "Hey, you need to transfer for six months to a, a franchise that might not keep you for longer than six months," you know, we probably wouldn't be real happy about it. Now, we aren't making money on the scale that they are. Yeah. But, you know, they're used to that money. They don't think of themselves as highly paid. They think of themselves as Major League Baseball players who get get paid what Major League Baseball players get paid. Why do you suppose it was that the Tigers pursued a trade? I mean, they knew that they were on his no-trade list. They knew that he was a guy who had left the team for some time uh, last year for his own mental health and for family uh, reasons as well. Why do you think they would pursue a trade to a team that was on his no-trade list? I just think they're doing their due diligence, you know, uh, you know, they, they probably don't, unless they have a great relationship and a really trusting relationship with him or his agents, they're probably not going to go to him and ask him, Hey, would you accept a trade of the Dodgers? Hmm. They're probably going to work the phones, find the best deal. And if the best deal is to somebody on the, has not no trade list, then present it to him. Hmm. And then he obviously, he has absolutely has the right to turn it down, but I think they just, went about the normal course of business, found the best deal they could, and then understood that he might turn it down, but they wanted to present it to him. Yeah, and then the Dodgers had to pivot immediately afterward. But, yeah, that's just kind of the course of doing business, I guess, is kind of what you're indicating, right? Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, Miguel Cabrera, two hits last night against the Twins. He's been, he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm sure he has a triple crown on his resume after all. However... He's a bit of a cautionary tale for giving 30-year-olds 10-year contracts worth $35 million a year or whatever it turned out to be. He hasn't really 
played up to his contract for a while. Oh, no, he has not. And uh, with his body, I don't think I would have given him that deal. And yeah. frankly, a more ambitious uh, winning franchise probably would have let him go. It, it, the, it, with the Tigers, it felt like, God, got nothing else going on. Mm. You know, here's a Hall of Famer in our midst. Let's sign him and just hope he can hang on. Hope that his magic hands will allow him to continue to hit at a bad stage. Mm. But let's face it, he's got a bad body. Um, you know, he's not the hardest worker. He's just a magician with his hands. And yeah. Once the talent started to slip, there wasn't a whole lot left to support it. I will also remind Twins fans that uh, you know a lot. Of, I, I think a lot of the mm-hmm. poll ads are cheap talk. Is overdone. Mm. I will say that uh, when Carl was running the team, sometimes it was very much on point. And I've been told stories by many people in the Twins organization that they thought they had Miguel Cabrera signed as a young Venezuelan. And Carl Polat at that point, you know, was like in that era where they weren't really trying to compete and they weren't, didn't think they were going to get a new stadium and they were playing, just trying to save as much money as possible. Carl Polat nixed the deal and the Marlins ended up getting Wow. And the rest is history. He led them to a World Series championship. Mm-hmm. Or, or was it even two? Was he on both? I don't think. Just one of their championship teams. I think just one. Yeah, yeah. But quite a player indeed. Uh, boy, what do you make of, I mean, the college football landscape is just changing by the day uh, right now. The ACC recruiting Stanford and Cal were the universities, certainly. But it's hardly the Atlantic Coast Conference. If you've got Pacific Coast Conference teams uh, in it, uh, they might have to change conference names. Of course, they won't. But it's really up in the air for a lot of schools right now with the Pac-10 basically collapsing. I, the- I will say that as soon as we got to a point where the Big Ten no longer had 10 teams, mm-hmm. I, I thought tradition was dead. Yeah, uh, I mean, when you're yeah. going to be the Big Ten and you're going to have 13 teams or something, I mean, what are you really doing here? Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's, listen, it's very. It's always been about the money. It's just now more obviously about the money. And I, I will say this: I think it's a pretty spectacular sport. I, I don't like, you know, I don't like the power coaches have. Uh, that's how you see things like what's happening at Northwestern right now. It's it's much too much of a cult for me. Yeah. In each in, in each individual winning program, coaches have again coaches have way too much power. Uh, universities are gouging students and paying football coaches tens of millions of dollars. I don't like any of that. The on-field product is pretty spectacular. Uh, the college football playoffs are pretty spectacular. It's a great entertainment uh, you know, entity. It just has nothing to do with tradition or what we all grew up with. Yeah, that's for sure. And and uh, where do you think this lands? I mean, are, have, are we seeing the end of the Pacific Athletic Conference as we know it, the Pac-12 or whatever it's called now, the 8, the 10? Uh, is that over? I think so. Mm-hmm. I just don't, you know, they have four teams right now, and those four teams are obviously going to be looking to leave. Yeah. And, you know, what are you going to do? Replace them with San Jose State and Cal Poly Tech? I mean, it just, right. there aren't, you know, there's a limited number of Division One programs that you want to, that you think would improve your conference or give you, you know, give you any kind of uh, uh, oomph, you know, yeah. on the national scene. And so I think the pack, whatever it is, is now yeah. over. And let's be honest. I mean, we just might see we might see continual change. We might see conferences trying to steal the best programs away from other conferences. Now that now that it's not about regions, now that it's not about traditions, it could be a free for all for quite a while. Man, uh, I wonder if you know. But the the Big Twelve has made moves as well. I was just going to wonder if we were going to a. a 
you know, a power two with the Big Ten and the SEC. But the Big 12 has made some moves and brought in some pretty good teams, too. So they're trying to remain re- uh, relevant among teams that could have conference schools compete for a national championship. Right. Yes. Um, and, I, you know, so I, I, can't, I can't predict where any of this is going. Yeah. Uh, but it, 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 is, it is highly interesting. And I do think the Big Ten has operated in this marketplace has operated pretty shrewdly. I mean, now they have, you know, nobody really wants to watch Rutgers or Maryland, but they did get the New York and D.C. and, and Baltimore uh, TV uh, markets out of that deal. Now they're going to have major West Coast markets. They already have Chicago. Uh, they already have Minneapolis. They already have Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. I mean, if you were going to try to build a juggernaut sports program, this is kind of the way you would go about it. Yeah. Uh, who's the best quarterback in the NFC North going into this season? Uh, I think I think Kirk Cousins is the best. Yeah. The interesting question is, who do you think might be the best coming out? I oh. mean, Cousins. You know, Cousins has been very reliable. He's been very durable. He's coming off a very good year. He helped his team win 13 games last year. But uh, Goff probably isn't that different from Kirk Cousins a lot of way. He's been to a Super Bowl. Uh, he helped the Lions, you know, really uh, come on strong last year. He's got a lot of the same characteristics, kind of same lack of mobility, but accurate throwing arm. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of a junior Kirk Cousins in a lot of ways. Well, he's had more postseason success. Uh, Justin Fields, you know, this could be the year he busts out mm. and becomes the best quarterback in the division, but I kind of have to see it. You know, I mean, the Bears are it seems like they're improved, but I got to see it. And then uh, um, Jordan Love. I, oh, and then Jordan Love. I, yep. I actually blank for this. <laughs> I have no idea. I yeah. have no idea. Yeah. Um, he he certainly appears, and you know, from what I've seen, from what I've read from people I trust over there, uh, a lot of great reporters cover the Packers. Mm. It certainly seems like he's on a path to being a pretty good player. Mm. Is he going to be a great player? Once again, I got to see it. Yeah. Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5, Sports of Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.